Do you know where kangaroos come from? Kangaroos are indigenous to Australia. And yes, you guessed it, that's where we will peek into today. You're listening to Faces of Digital Health with me, Tiasha Zaitz. The key topic of today's episode is pharmacy-related robots, which will be presented by Lea Diaz, a pharmacist by profession who now works predominantly as an advisor for international hospitals looking to implement robotic hardware and EHR software solutions to improve patient care. She comes from Australia, so we also touched upon the latest big digital health project there, the digitization of medical records of all Australians, which got quite a lot of attention from the international community. Before we begin, a quick invite to a cool event happening in Berlin in November. Frontiers Health is one of the top European digital health conferences, a great networking event if you want to meet startups, investors and industry experts from pharma, digital health and medtech industry. There's still time to save your spot. The event will take place on November 15th and 16th. Now back to Australia, robots that are not taking jobs from healthcare workers, but bringing them time and more. And by the way, remember those kangaroos I mentioned in the beginning? In 2016, there were 45 million of them in Australia. All life, no robots. For comparison, 24 million people live on the continent. Leah, thank you for joining me. If you would have to define yourself like through a very vague description, would you say you're a geek or a bookworm? Mm, interesting. Um I don't think I'm a bookworm, but I do read a lot on my phone. So, but you're a techie. Um, look, I like. I I think I've become a little bit of a geek. I maybe a nerd. You know, I don't mind so much now knowing things. I think at school I did everything to deny I'm a nerd, but like, yeah, I do enjoy tech. Yeah. <laughs> You're a pharmacist by background. However, you moved into healthcare IT and healthcare IT implementations. You were the clinical lead pharmacist for the huge project of a Perth Children's Hospital uh, in Western Australia, which, which has 285 uh, pediatric bed. It's a tertiary institution. So how did you go from clinical practice to healthcare IT? Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question and it's been a great leap into something that's been paved a career for me that is so different to what I actually trained in. Um, it started in 2000 and I guess 2011, 12, where I was heavily involved in medication safety and quality and how we, um, look at continuous improvement of patient healthcare. So, uh, looking at how that, we we track patient safety, particularly around medications. So that was my specialty. I was given the opportunity during this time of, uh, you know, sharing analytics and stats around drug errors that were occurring in the hospital and a new hospital was being built for $1.2 billion. They called me in and they said, look, you've been presenting your stats to executive. Can you present them to us? 
few weeks later, they called me back and they said, we've got an opportunity for you. Would you like to stay at Marina Bay Stands in Singapore for this IT conference around, you know, robotics and, and information systems in the healthcare system? And the first thing I thought was Marina Bay Sands in Singapore, yes. <laughs> uh, when I got over there, I was, uh, I was introduced to the HIMSS Healthcare, uh, you know, segment with all this information system, all information systems and robotics and IOTs and medical devices, all that played a part in, in further improving healthcare in patients. And it was like my eyes got so wide open and it was incredible for me in 2012 to think that this whole world was happening and Australia wasn't on board the journey. Um, you come from Australia, uh, which was in global news this year because of the national EHR system called My Health Record. The idea was to create an electronic medical record for all the citizens, uh, which seems really great and ambitious. The critiques uh, of this idea were strong, however, because the records are created without patient-specific consent, so it's an opt-out system. And the second problem is that the records are not shared only among the healthcare providers, but potentially also other stakeholders. So for starters, do you have this uh, electronic health record? How did you uh, follow all this news and the process of, of the idea? Yeah, so for me, I have been following the Australian Digital Health, health Initiative. Um, it affects every Australian and um, it provides us with an online summary of the health information for all Australians through access to my health record. Uh, the Australian Digital Health uh, Agency, which works with My Health Record, announced that every Australian will be offered a record unless they choose not to have one. And they gave us a three-month opt-out period, which commenced in July and ran through to the 15th of October. Just recently, they extended that opt-out period through to the 15th of November um, before uh patients are automatically enrolled and the reason why it, there was some political controversy and also to strength, strengthen the current legislation around this opt-out period. What the intention of the My Health Record is, is to give uh, users greater access to documents about their health and increased communication between doctors and other health providers. However, some people tried to opt out during this period and they discovered that they already had a health record set up. And that included information like their prescriptions and also Medicare visits and so on. The system is quite controversial because we don't know if this information is being shared with employers and insurers and if they can gain access to our health data and medical information for employment insurance purposes. So this could impact potentially workers' employment opportunities into the future. With this information, I guess, My decision was to opt out of the system um, at this point until some of these decisions get reviewed and uh, the legislation gets strengthened. I also think that the opt-out scheme goes against best international practice because uh, in most countries we have an opt-in, you know, rather than an opt-out. And I think that consent for the use of personal information, um, people need to be fully informed and they need to understand what they're opting into. So 
I don't believe that that is the case at the moment. The thinking of the government was probably that the number of people that are going to be in the system is going to be higher with an opt-out system, right? Right, and they want more people to participate in it. I just don't know if everybody is fully informed what they're opting, they're not opting out of. So, You mentioned there's a just a limited period for you to opt out. So what, what happens if, for example, somebody decides to uh, opt out in January? Uh, to my knowledge, then you don't have a choice to opt out and your records get stored for up to 30 years. Um, if you do it within the opt-out period, you then delete your records permanently. After that period, I don't think there is a chance to opt out, but that could be under legislative review as well. Australia is a huge country. Uh, it's not that populated. I mean, it has 247 million people uh, approximately but because it's so huge uh, the distances uh, between people can be big there's this uh, issue about remote areas which makes technology potentially very useful especially uh, telemedicine so in that sense how familiar are you with the innovation strategies that Australia has it has a digital health strategy how open is it to adopting and supporting uh, new digital health innovation. You've seen quite an uptake, uh, certainly in the east coast, of electronic medical records, and I think now most states are going towards uh, implementing pretty robust and big line electronic medical record systems. The problem does lie with um, patients that are in rural communities that don't have access to the same level of um, health provider services and and telemedicine. Uh, so there, there does lie challenges, but I do know that uh, there is adoption now of electronic health records, um, particularly in Western Australia. There has been a rural country health IT system. Also, the Northern Territory has implemented uh, clinical information systems as well. And so there is definitely an adoption throughout Australia of systems. As a healthcare system, it's a universal coverage system, right? Yes, it is. Uh, we have uh, we follow the principles of the Medicare system, which um, provides healthcare to every Australian. Uh, we also have our private health insurance covers as well. But um, I, I really, I, for, for somebody that has worked in the health system as well, I uh, the public health system, I have enjoyed my time working in Australia in that context and I certainly have worked with wonderful specialists and doctors and um, also IT people across that board. Uh, there have been a few challenges particularly around um, adopting innovation and doing big projects. Um, but that's that's normal no matter where you are. Sure, sure. Um, they certainly invest a lot into state-of-the-art hospitals, whether their technology sometimes matches that, particularly with electronic medication records and and, and what so. There is some sort of disjointed uh, and fragmented systems that are still being used. So that is definitely – and there are also cultural issues that need to be addressed within that as well as people adopt. What, do you do, what would you say are the strong points – of the structure of the Australian healthcare system? For me, the strong aspects of Australian healthcare is that uh, every 
individual gets access to free healthcare so they can uh, present at a public hospital and they will be seen by a doctor. Uh, there are waiting times around elective surgery and so on, which is no different to other countries. And there, there's obviously a burden on the impact of how quickly some patients can be seen. Um, and as the population grows, that becomes a little bit more difficult to, to address those patients. Um, and I, I really do believe that every Australian or everyone should have the chance to have access to the best free healthcare. Uh, there are some issues going on with our detention centres at the moment where there are children and, and, and women and adults that have got medical diseases that aren't getting access to healthcare. So I really do feel some resistance against this. And I think it's a, a choice that Australia has adopted that doesn't sit in with my value system around how we administer healthcare to all individuals. Uh, could you just share a bit more information about what these de detention centres are? Uh, the de detention centres were uh, people that came across on boats and were intercepted before they hit Australia and because Australia won't um, – so they're the immigrants, the illegal immigrants that come across and uh, because they're intercepted on the Australian borders, they're not accepted into Australia and there is some type of agreement uh, for them to – to be hosted on these detention centres, um, which are manned detention centres. So a bit like prison camps is a very controversial subject and, of course, there's a lot of uh, emotion that is backed by this and it's currently very a very controversial and sensitive topic of Australia. And probably a strong political one also. Really strong political one because there are children um, being raped and abused on that centre and it really goes against what I believe in in terms of human rights and healthcare as well. So, yeah, it's not the Australia I knew and grew up with. So it's been quite disappointing. You specialise in robotics. You were working on the procurement and implementation of comprehensive EHR systems uh, and pharmacy robotics to achieve uh, closed-loop medication management uh, and imp to improve patient safety. Before we go uh, further, I want to explain a few definitions. For our listeners, what is a closed-loop medication management system? What does that mean? Closed-loop medication management system is a term that's used to talk about how we prescribe, dispense and administer medications. Uh, it has three main components, as I can describe it. The first is that doctors and healthcare providers have access to a clinical information system that can record a patient and track patient history and also be able to prescribe medications on a system. So, an information system has to be available. The second part of it, that a drug has to be dispensed in a unit dose form with a barcode identifying that drug. Uh, this is where the pharmacy robotics come in. And then the third aspect of it is that the, the medication should be scanned against a clinical information system and a patient that is right in front of you live against their uh, ID ban indicating that that's the correct patient that you're giving that medication to and it's the correct drug against what the provider has prescribed. A short description could probably be an end-to-end -end tracking of what happens with the drugs. 
Yeah, so what happens to the drugs but also what's happening to the patient in there. So the information system will pick up things like, you know, intervention, um, interactions or contraindications. That's a different uh, aspect to it but uh, that information system tracks it. But, yes, it's a transparency and also accuracy from end to end. In terms of pharmacy robotics, when you say robots, what exactly do you mean? A robot walking around, it can be a dispensing robot, it can be, what can it be? So what goes under the term pharmaceutical robotics or robotics in in the healthcare system, in a hospital? I've worked with full pharmacy robotic distribution, so everything from pneumatic tube systems that come out of the robotics and sends the medication up towards, so it's, you know, human-free robotics and then there's the automatic guided vehicles that you know sort of roll up to the pharmacy you can put things on crates or or dietary or be it linen and they have their navigation uh, tools pre-programmed into the system and they can then do the delivery of uh, you know linen medications to different wards and then there are robotics that are used on wards as well so automated dispensing cabinets so you can look at robotics end-to-end in hospitals and that was what we tried to adopt for the Perth Children's Hospital the end-to-end robotics. When I first started the project it really did raise a lot of objections or uh, discomfort with people. You know, the hype was we're losing our jobs. This is not the case. What what the robotics does, it replaces these manual tasks that people do that are, that are inefficient and also error prone. So what it does is it puts in a system that actually can sort through that, that um, can show efficiency gains and also improve the accuracy of this drug dispensing in the case with pharmacy robotics and then what it does is it allows people to free up to do other things so in terms of nursing staff you know they could enjoy all right now we we have some interest in specialties so I would like to learn more about this so I'm going to rely on the technology to look at the accuracy of how I administer my drugs and then I'm going to pursue other things that I really enjoy about my career in nursing profession. For pharmacy technicians and pharmacists, it also gave a career progression. They could work in the areas of robotics and start to understand it. They could then do some training with other um, Australian states where people came over and looked at their innovation. They really – they led – the teams with informatics in their own departments and so on. So it really gave um, some empowerment to the staff rather than the initial fears of we're losing our job. In fact, people didn't lose their jobs. They just found different jobs that were more, I think, more job satisfaction involved in that. Two years ago, in 2016, you wrote up a a nice international global research report where you looked at how different clinics around the globe are using robotics. So the countries uh, included were Bulgaria, France, Spain, uh, the US, New York specifically, Canada, Singapore and Thailand, where you visited a hospital in Bangkok. When it comes to robotics, what you can uh, 
learn about in, in reports or in studies is that they improve safety, they bring uh, time savings and change care, as you mentioned, in terms of what a specific job requires. Uh, for example, in the Bulgarian hospital, prior to the implementation of the robotic pharmacy, it took 20 to 25 minutes for two full-time employed uh, pharmacists to prepare a prescription, and that has been reduced to 5 to 10 minutes uh, with 0.6 to 1 uh, fully employed uh, pharmacist if we look at statistical data. I included them in part of my study because it was wonderful to see these Eastern European countries adopting really innovative and sophisticated medical technology into their pharmacies and into their hospitals, whereas there were some difficulties in Australia adopting this technology. Initially, there was a lot of resistance or reluctance to adopt this technology. So it was some type of proof of concept that this could work in countries including Bulgaria, Eastern Europe, America, throughout the world. They had implemented an automated pharmacy, so fully automated pharmacy, so everything could be tracked and traced. And yet they still didn't have an information system that could capture patient prescriptions or activity that was occurring on the wards. It was on their roadmap to do so. But in the early stages, they the uh, executive had really identified there were initiatives that they wanted to adopt and they were particularly safety initiatives of how they they um, treat each and every patient as they enter the hospital. So they'd gone on this path to firstly implement a fully automated pharmacy and then the second step would have been to um, then have some sort of integrated information system. Pharmacy information system initially didn't show 100% efficiency. In fact, it showed little efficiency because pharmacists were then having to transcribe from a paper record onto a an IT system and then send that messaging through to their pharmacy robotic. And then the third ro- part of that roadmap was to actually put in a prescribing information system, which would then be validated by a pharmacist and sent through to the robotic machine. In the report, you described how before the implementation of the system, there were always two pharmacists in the pharmacy. The first one would prepare the prescription from the paper record and the second one would check behind him. And what I found interesting was that when the electronic system came in, they still did a very similar thing only through a screen. So the first pharmacist would transcribe the prescription into the electronic system and then the second pharmacist would check if the transcription was correct. So if the first pharmacist typed in the prescription correctly. So this is not common practice. Obviously, because they're typing in doctor's prescriptions, they felt that that was an added safety feature. I'm not sure if this happens in a lot of countries, but it was something that they had adopted maybe during that preliminary period of working with robots, that it was a change management task to maybe put in this double-checking mechanism and then revert to some type of streamline of how they then access medication records. Some studies report significant drops in 
medical medication errors with electronic prescribing, with dispensing errors, and with administ administration errors once you implement a robotic system. What I'm wondering is, do you think it's possible to reduce those errors in the same rates without a robotic system? Well, the thing about not having IT or robotics to back you up and is that you don't actually know what is happening in the process. So when a nurse is administering a medication, not everything's double-checked as we know. So we're relying on humans to to administer and we know that we make mistakes. That's been proven across the world that humans are able to adopt error-prone practices. We don't choose to. That That's just the reality. So, so the way to mitigate this risk, I believe, is to put in electronic systems and robotic systems to help the user at the end, be oh, sorry, the beginning or the end, so be it the doctor who's prescribing the medication has access to the best clinical decision support and then the administrator at the, at the last point when they're giving the medication also has access to the best electronic and medical um, innovative techniques to administer medications to the patient. It's like a fail-proof way to actually make sure that your processes are checked in a way that uses technology to to assimilate all the information that goes through for that patient. For one thing, you can describe mistakes that happened because prescriptions are uh, unreadable if they're written. they're written. Correct. And one of the biggest things, particularly in uh, pediatric hospitals, is tenfold overdoses. So, you know, I've seen a couple of vancomycin doses that are tenfold. And, you know, this is because, uh, you know, illegibility and also our brains after a long day get tired and we look, you know, two milligrams, looks like 20 milligrams. And because we're not always administering these medications every day, uh, it is we make mistakes and you know the the saddest things that is is in the past people get reprimanded and then the guilt and the the grief associated with making mis mistakes is is horrendous for the person that has to do that and then so fatal for the person that's receiving that so really if we can aid health providers in a way that we're putting in checks that can can really assist them and support them, then they don't have that anxiety that comes with with that part of the process. They can move on and look at other parts that they enjoy working in specialties like um, gastrointestinal, you know, disease and looking for new research and technology and development rather than having anxiety around how they administer medications or they dispense or how they prescribe. What you're touching upon is reporting about medication errors and mistakes, which uh, the medical community was addressing very strongly and is still addressing. Management is trying to encourage healthcare workers to report mistake, not, not to, to put somebody on the stand, but to improve the work process. Yeah, that's correct. So we, we know that uh, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes and we know this. And it's, we don't want to then condemn people because they've made mistakes, but rather we should be looking for solutions on how we uh, reduce 
the errors that are occurring and then encourage people to report errors so that we can constantly improve the system so that analytics is used for clinical positive outcomes as well. The fear about robotics replacing employees is definitely unnecessary when it comes to nursing staff. Uh, in one of the previous episodes that I did, um, I talked to nurse entrepreneurs and we also touched upon statistics around nursing workforce and the shortage is uh, global and it's increasing. So it's encouraging to see information and data such as uh, you noticed, uh, let's say in France, where um, implementing a robotic system in the hospital not only uh, reduced uh, medication costs uh, significantly, but it actually, so the improved efficiency uh, was calculated as equivalent to more than eight full-time employed nurses. We know that we can reduce costs in some areas and that there are going to be costs for staffing that are going to increase in some areas as well in terms of how we do our manufacturing process around, for example, pharmacy robotics. Uh, the idea is to create more efficient processes, so to reduce wasted wastage of medication, to reduce the time taken to administer drugs, um, to administer the correct drugs, obviously, the time taken for nurses moving backwards and forwards to medication rooms. Um, they pick the wrong drug, they go to the, the bedside, they've realised they've got the wrong drug, they have to go back again. You know, this time taken can be reduced by having electronic systems and this has been proven. People enjoy a lot more using the information systems and also the prepackaging of medications that they can then feel confident that they're administering the right medications. That then frees up nurse time to be involved in other duties that could um, involve research and continuing education and specialising. So there's definitely a level of job satisfaction. Um, there is a little bit of controversy around reducing FTE staff in nursing, but in a lot of countries where there are a shot of it, of nurses, you can adopt more efficient attitudes around how they they use the staff that are in place. In your view, since you saw a lot of different healthcare environments, when it comes to digitization of work processes, what do you think makes sense more? To first have an electronic healthcare system or to implement robotics first? the way that uh, the hospital in Bulgaria did it. Is it, does it matter or is it just politics on based on what the hospital decides to do? Yeah, this is the million dollar question and it is millions of dollars, by the way. Um, so it's a, it's a question of money. Like, you know, these are, these are not cheap systems, be it the robotics or the information systems and strategy. So I help a lot of, um, organizations with their strategy around this. Now, a hardware is not effective unless you've got software that drives the hardware. So one can't work independently. If you adopt the information system, there's a lot to do with information systems and how long is that piece of string in terms of money you spend on those on research and um, on implementation and also adopting the best information system for your organisation? What is the roadmap? 
Do they want to put the infrastructure? So, for example, in, in Bulgaria, if they're building a new hospital or they're refurbishing their pharmacy department and they want to have state-of-art robotics in, yes, put in the robotics when you're refurbishing and put in your robotics if you're building a new hospital. If you haven't got your information system in place, you'll catch up. If you go down the path of putting your information system in and you choose not to do your robotics, you won't achieve that traceability and transparency across that medication journey unless you're using manual processes and they're time inefficient. Is there any differences that you could mention in the way that different hospitals around in different cultures approached the whole project and implementation of a robotic system differently. So I'm assuming that it took more time for one institutions and less time for, for the others. What, what are the best practices that you could mention or like an advice you would have like for a clinical manager that decides that this might be something good for the patient and the hospital cost? cost. Yeah. So I think. And, and this is uh, stepping out of actually the um, innovation and technology, I think strong leadership. You have to have an executive committee that's on board. You have to have clinicians that are on board. And executives set the pace of what that looks like and the adoption of the cult and, and the change of the culture. That's what the executives set for, for the rest of that hospital. So in my experience, it's not about which IT system that you, you choose to, to adopt or which robotic system you choose to adopt. It's the culture and the culture begins at the top. So with a strong leader, they, and, and also strong leadership and also the ability for people to express how they see the future as well. You know, and that, that was probably the, the hardest thing in my, um, my own experience in that, we delivered a lot of change to an organisation that wasn't really ready to change at that moment and also were not that aware or familiar around what was going on in the world. And we weren't breaking technology, new technology. We were just adopting practices that were happening around the world and I think we were trying to get our organisation up to speed with the rest of the world, but there was fear associated with that. So with a, with good leadership, you can overcome some of that fear. So that would be my biggest uh, encouragement to organisations looking to adopt medical technology is find a leader that, that is encouraging this change and, and listen to people and, and see how they can manoeuvre these different um, obstacles that may lie in the way and, and um, get, get people on board as quickly as possible. This was the 19th episode of Faces of Digital Health. If you're interested in more about healthcare IT, look at and listen to the second episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health, which is how this channel was named in 2017. The title of the episode that I have in mind is Why is IT so hard to implement in healthcare? Stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your colleagues and leave a review in iTunes.